And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. I'm on, I'm John Ray alongside Frazier and Dieter managing partner, Alfred Office, Roger Lesby. Roger. John, good morning. How are you? You're just so chipper this morning. It's after the October oh. deadline and you're just whistling and just like on the Good chip lollipop, right? We got past the deadline. It's almost time for the World Series, so this is a good time of year. The weather's fantastic, and yep. and we're here on the show. It's a great time to be in Atlanta, and in particularly in North Fulton. Absolutely, we're about to hear more about that too. But you brought a guest. I did. One of my tax principals, Dono. If you'll please introduce yourself. Yeah. Hi, my name is Dono Cabil. I'm a tax principal with Frazier and Dieter. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here, Dono. So how long have you been with the firm? Four years. Okay, terrific. And what do you like about Frazier and Dieter? I like the culture. I like the atmosphere of the work environment, the work-life balance, and also the variety of clients and work that we experience over the years. Terrific. It's been fantastic. Terrific. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, but we are delighted to welcome Eric Pritchett to the show. Eric is with Terzo. Eric, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. For those that don't know about Terzo, let's give an introduction to what you're all about and how you're serving folks out there. Sure. Thanks for having me today. Sure. Thanks, Roger and folks. So Terzo is, we're operationally headquartered here in Alpharetta in Atlanta, and we are an enterprise AI company helping large organizations solve document problems. And we, the first question may be, what is a document problem? <laughs> and simply put, people have been recording important information in written form and documents for a long time. And about maybe 20 years ago, we started digitally transforming so that we got our documents out of metal file cabinets and got them into PDF or other image formats. And over that same 20 years, we've had this relentless march of business operators wanting to be more data-driven with their decision-making. And it turns out that a whole bunch of valuable data ends up in these stranded in these documents as image files. And so if you're trying to, if you're trying to record complicated facts, documents are great for that. But if you're trying to retrieve the little bits of important information that are contained in those documents, when you're trying to make a decision, then it turns out that going through big piles of these documents to try to find what you need is not a great experience. So what we do is we identify valuable documents and we process them with some cool technology that we can talk about a little more, but we use artificial intelligence, which is the buzzy thing these days. And we, and so we're able to evaluate these documents and identify metadata that's important in these documents and extract that metadata for use in business decision-making. You you brought up something interesting there. I'm curious about whether without artificial intelligence, there would still be a need for your company. I mean, the way you're describing it, because what you're talking about is extracting data and the technology needed to extract data out of documents existed before quote unquote AI. AI has been around a while and I get that. But before this current upswing in AI uh, adaption, right? Adoption. hundred percent. So uh, we, we go through this journey with our customers and explaining what we do. You're absolutely correct. So there's a, there's an older technology called optical character rev, uh, recognition, OCR, which is a form of computer vision, which can take an image and identify text 
and other major things that are going to appear in a document. Like if it can identify a chart or a picture or words and letters and whatnot, numbers, et cetera. And so OCR technology, it turns out that it's extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. We've gotten to the point now where you can get six or seven nines of reliability with just simply extracting elements off of a document through OCR. What AI has really done for us, though, is taken the next leap of if we can digitize all that data off of the document, now we have something that lends itself very nicely to AI analysis. And so what we're really doing is taking a a next step in automation and accuracy. And so most of your clients are public companies or large companies. And so just think of the number of contracts that these companies might have. And if I'm sitting in one particular location and I need access to some of that information, then that's what your technology is helping to do. 100%. And if I remember correctly, when Eric explained it to me, it's like an internal Google of my contracts. And so I can get to that piece of information that I'm looking for internally. Exactly. So when we do the processing of the data, that's where the fun really starts. It's not the endpoint. When we evaluate the documents, we're able to extract the metadata into an analytics platform. And the first thing you get out of the box on the analytics platform is a very powerful search, sort, report, and alert capability. Mm-hmm. So you, as, as, as Roger was describing, you can imagine having a huge pile of 100,000 or a million documents that have some relevance to your business. And think about how difficult it is to search through those documents. Now, if you process those documents with Terzo, you get a search bar that's like Google, and you get a search bar that can immediately allow you to find what you're looking for, whether you're looking for, hey, show me all of my, show me all the documents that I have that are relevant to my relationship with Oracle. Mm Mm-hmm as a vendor perhaps, mm. or, or it could be something very specific. Show me all the documents that govern a very specific part number with an important supplier. For example, if I'm running a nuclear power plant or I've got expensive capital equipment that's got lots of different parts and every part has different maintenance and different warranty and different peculiarities to it. Imagine trying to go find out all the information you need to know about something like that if you're trying to run make decisions about hmm. you know maintenance in a, in a nuclear power plant, yeah. and you can't instantly find what are the documents that really govern this particular part that's, that we're having an issue with now. Is it under warranty? Is it under what's, how do I, where's my starting point? What you're, you seem to be describing, and in, in, in given what Roger said as well, what you seem to be describing, Eric, is that this starts for a big enterprise company in the GC function, in the general counsel's office. That, that, and what I hear is that's the least technology. They've got the, the biggest upside in terms of technology adoption, that they're drowning in paper and they need that digitized. Yeah, so it turns out that lawyers actually like drowning in paper. <laughs> uh, well, that makes them more essential. <laughs> right. Exactly. But what's so what's interesting is what we've observed is that the legal function is correctly focused on memorializing very complicated, very complicated things mm-hmm. very precisely. Right. Right. This is what legal people do. Mm-hmm. The legal people are typically not tasked with running the business. Mm-hmm. So they're what they're concerned about is very different. 
than our typical users. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to bridge all of that great, all those great details that are super important that our legal departments get straight for us. But then we're trying to free ourselves from that format to to inject the important data in a, into the business operation. So we're, Terzo is really all about business operators. We certainly, our tool does have some application to legal ops, but we really focus on business operators who need access to data more so than on drafting and creating documents. No, I get that. I guess what I'm saying is that all that information that is that originates in the GC function of a major corporation needs to be unleashed to the rest of the enterprise. Exactly correct. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. But as we were talking about before we came on the air, it, you go beyond contracts. I mean, we keep using the term contracts, but you're really, you're all about gathering information from documents, whatever that document may be. That's correct. And I'll give one one little footnote here for people that are interested. Our CEO and founder, Brandon Card, was just in was just in Amsterdam at the DPW conference. And he gave a great talk from the stage about how much business operators need to get documents away from lawyers. And it's entertaining. It was a three minute, three minute spiel, but I thought he did a great job and it's worth taking a look at. It's on YouTube if anyone wants to check it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going back to, we talk a lot about contracts because that was really where we started. And when you think about documents that have business value, contracts are a pretty obvious starting point. Yeah. Right. We spell out dollars and cents. We spell out terms and obligations. And so you can, it, it's almost self-evident that's going to be a trove of valuable data. But what's interesting, as soon as you start looking at contracts, then some, someone who's really trying to operate the business says, what about order forms? Mm-hmm. Purchase, purchase orders. orders. Right. And then what, what happens when you generate one of those? Then somebody generates an invoice and then there's some payment data somewhere. And so you can start to create a lot of value by processing these documents and then establishing how they relate to each other logically. In a typical large enterprise, you have different silos where all these different types of documents exist and they don't really talk to each other. You'll have a legal department with the legal contracts. You'll often have a different department that's creating purchase orders and trying to keep things happening on time. You'll have some finance people or something dealing with suppliers and, and invoices. And then you've got payment data occurring maybe in an ERP system or some other type of accounting system. And being able to match across these data sources is actually pretty difficult. Mm. And it turns out that it's not difficult if you use the right technology and the right tool. So we so what we find is that when you start talking to business people about operational challenges across a lot of different areas of the business, supply chain finance, even IT asset management, capital asset management, you can almost always find business processes that are gunked up because of documents, because of data that's trapped somewhere in a document or that, or data that's siloed in an unuseful way across documents that live in different parts of the organization. Mm. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting to me, Roger, you would have some thoughts on this, that the accounting side of all businesses has gotten a lot more technology oriented over the last 30 years, but even, but the purpose of that accounting system is to really do something different than what Eric is talking about. It's to 
produce financials and to produce numbers that are associated with just the basics of how the business is performing and the taxes that they have to pay and all that kind of stuff, but not necessarily some of the functions that you're talking about, right? But it's also about processes. It's yeah. about efficiencies. It's mm-hmm. about things of that nature. And yeah. so that, that helps bring all this together. Yeah. One thing, one, one thing we looked at pretty early was we had a large customer that was interested in how our tool could help them with the budgeting process. So FPA kind of process, right? Financial and accounting people are tasked with being able to give the other business leaders a view about what things are going to look like in the next quarter, the next year, et cetera, for planning purposes. And one of the things we realized is the most common technique for forecasting is to look at your GL from the last period or seasonally adjust it or look at a three-year seasonally adjusted trend or these types of methods and then forecast forward and then focus on where do we think the deltas are going to happen. This supplier, maybe we're increasing budget on this product line, we're retiring, et cetera. So we assume that things are going to continue to look the way they have in the past. And we try to go find all the deltas where they're going to be different. We looked at this and said, a lot of the things that are going to happen, you already know about because they're already papered up. We, we already know in some cases what you're committed to with certain suppliers for years in advance. So instead of looking at the GL, why not look at what your actual commitments are? Mm. and then do deltas off the actual forward commits instead of the backward-looking GL. And it turns out that's a pretty popular trick. And it also depends on what your industry is and, and whether your revenue. So for us, when we do budgets, the expense side is very easy. It's always trying to figure out what the revenue is going to look like. Sure. With other companies, the revenue streams are pretty much locked in because they're contractual. And so they're looking at other variables. But that was a great example there that, that you just shared. Now, one thing, Roger, that we figured out when we started trying to help this, this first customer that had this idea, and we loved it, so we collaborated with them. And what we realized very quickly was with Terzo, we're not trying to be an accounting system. Okay. So there's a lot of magic that happens in the accounting world to, mm-hmm. to match, to match the reality into more of an economic business view. And so Terzo is not, Terzo's not trying to be an accounting system. What we're, what we really are is we're a business information system. Mm-hmm. We're trying to augment the other areas, including even accounting, we're not going to out accountant an accountant. Right. We're not going to out lawyer a lawyer. Right. But what we are is we're an information tool that can augment all these different types of of processes. You're going to back to the forecast issue. You're going to make those forecasts that the accounting side of the house comes up with a lot more accurate. Right. I mean, because they've got tools to be able to make those much more accurate. So they're going to, they're going to typically, a contract's going to say, okay, you may have payments due on these, on this quarterly schedule, for example, but it's going to take the accountant to be able to tell the business leaders, you actually need to look at that as a monthly, we accrue that. So there, so we're not attempting to be that accounting layer. We're attempting to reveal the actual data as it exists in these documents. And then there's, so for example, take the legal side as well. If you have, let's say your board comes out and says, we're going to make these this, these ESG commitments. By this year, we're going to reduce plastic in our supply chain by some huge percentage or something. 
And let's say you're unfortunate enough to be the head of supply chain or something when this announcement comes out. <laughs> and, and probably no one consulted you on the target, right? And so what are you going to what are you going to do? I mean, our suggestion is look, one of the first things you can do is look at your entire third-party agreement set of agreements and say, look, out of, out of all these agreements, what agreements can we can we identify any clauses or can we identify anything in these agreements that we have with these suppliers that would give us any ability to influence some of these targets? And if we don't, if we don't have anything papered that relates to reducing plastic, which we probably don't, then what we can do is at least produce a calendar and say, look, when are the most, when are the viable renegotiation points in these relationships where you could potentially inject some of these new, some of these new ideas? And you can at least go back to your board and say, hey, here's what's actually realistic in terms of if we're going to go start working with some of these big suppliers, how does this, how are these things really papered up and how can we get a start and what's realistic, but this doesn't replace the, the GC or the legal point of view of we can identify those, we can identify the data that contributes to decision-making in this area, but ultimately we're not trying to replace the lawyer or the negotiator that's going to, that's going to go do that work. So, Eric, being a technology company, like most technology companies, you get a great story on how you guys started up and came up with this idea. Maybe you can share that with the listeners. Yeah, so this company started in, in California. Two of our two U.S.-based co-founders were both in Los Angeles and both had really great technology backgrounds. Brandon Card was at Microsoft in L.A. and Algie Akandi was IBM and Oracle was his background. And our other co-founder, Pradeep Thangaval, was with Freshworks, which was about to do their IPO. And he was based in Chennai, India, which is where we have a lot of our engineering and data analyst teams. I was at the time in Northern California. I'd been working in in Silicon Valley for Assurian, and I was in corporate investing. So I was covering Silicon Valley, essentially looking for investment or or M&A opportunities for Assurian, and came at got introduced to Brandon Card through actually through a CEO of a company we had just acquired. And so when I met these guys, they had they were very excited about this idea, but we didn't quite like all startups, we didn't quite 100% know exactly what this thing was going to be. But the original inspiration was that Brandon and Al realized in, in years of working with these big tech companies that the customers of these large tech companies oftentimes didn't have a very good understanding of their relationship with these companies. And that a lot of these details were locked up in documents that decision makers didn't have a lot of access to. And so that we thought it was a great idea to let's go start this company. Here we go. You get an incorporation in March of, of 2020. And then a week later, COVID, COVID starts full blown in, in California. And you're in California. And we're in California. That's right. So for the first year that we were at this, in some ways, I guess it was an environment. We were at such an early stage with the company. We didn't have customers yet. We didn't have a marketable product yet. And so in some ways, it created a, a, an environment we, where we could have really extreme focus, right? Because everybody's hiding under their mattress and locked inside. We realized California is not a great place to, to try to build an operating business at that point in time. It was 2021 by that point in time. And so we endeavored to look around at where would be the right kind of place to build this type of business. And Atlanta, Atlanta won out as a really well-run part of the country. That's uh, that's I think Money Magazine has Atlanta ranked number one for business for some 
some long run of years. And, and, it's also and we were open for business. <laughs> And, nope. and, At yeah. least more so than other states. Much more so than other states. I mean, there were definitely, I think when we're looking back on the whole pandemic, there were, we're, we're getting more data, we're getting more evidence about what worked and what didn't. And I, I think Georgia was one of the states that really navigated that, navigated that whole crisis pretty effectively. And certainly if you look at the results today of the, you look at kids' ACT scores coming out of high school, they didn't miss two years of school. So right. all of a sudden the ACT scores look really good nationally. You look at the business conditions, it's very positive, right? Even just since I've moved here, you've had a huge Google office open. You've had a huge Microsoft campus be finished. And it seems like everybody's coming here. So the the state's really well run and it's really well run for business. Now, We'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't bring this up. You said you were your company was considering either Atlanta or Dallas. So nothing against our Dallas friends, but why Atlanta versus Dallas? So our three finalists were Atlanta, Dallas, and Nashville. Okay. And long story short, all three of those are great places to live. I think all three are very business friendly. I think we felt like Nashville is up and coming, but just not there yet. We really knew that the technology we were building. And how we wanted to go to market was going to be focused heavily on Fortune 500 and, and Fortune 1000 organizations. Nashville's got some fine businesses located there, but just not the number that you would find in Dallas or, or Atlanta. Um, and then I think that the thing that edges out, Dallas and Atlanta are similar in many ways, similar populations, um, similar, similar number of Fortune 500 type companies, um, great airports, great transit leaks everywhere else. But we just felt that Atlanta had a little bit broader uh, talent base, mm-hmm. and, uh, particularly with with Georgia Tech, and and what the state has done in the technology direction, it feels like this is was a better hub for to build a bona fide technology company. And so, what? How do you how are you feeling about that decision now? A few years later, it's funny because I it's almost like it was it's almost like we had a crystal ball because when we when we got here, Brandon came out, Brandon Card, our our founder, came out, and our CEO. And right away, we got connected with Tech Alpharetta and Karen Cashin and her crew out here in Alpharetta. And when she learned what we were building, and at that time, we had already had some seed financing from some VCs, so we were technically VC-backed at that point. She immediately educated us on some of the opportunities. She said, you guys need to get down to Atlanta and get introduced to the ATDC. And so when we got down there, Jane McCracken and some others Blake Patton and Alex Rodine and the people associated with ATDC and Engage, they looked at what we were doing and said, hey, this is really interesting. You guys need to get in front of the Engage VC Investment Committee. And at the time, we weren't really raising, we weren't, we were like, we're not really doing a a funding round right now. And they were like, when you see who their LPs are, you're going to be, you're going to be wanting to present to them. So Mm. Blake Patton had this brilliant idea to put together a VC company that would be focused on strategic industry capital as opposed to traditional venture capital. So Blake runs TechSquare Ventures, but he also has TechSquare Ventures managing the Engage VC fund, which has the the LPs of that fund are restricted to the Fortune 500 companies headquartered here in Atlanta. Mm. So basically everybody you want to talk to is is in that fund. So we present the opportunity to Blake and his team, Scott Lapano and uh, a couple other great people down there, they, they took a shot on us. And so we were in the Engage Accelerator program in cohort nine. 
And it's been a great, we've won a couple of key customers off of the, off the LP list. And it's been an incredible uh, group of people just to interact with as we've tried to go walk this path of trying to build the company. But it's, again, looking back, looking at everything that, that, that Tech Alpharetta and ATDC and Engage has been able to do to help support our company. It, it ends up looking pretty brilliant uh, that we came here. Yeah. Congratulations on that. We're delighted you're here. As we wind down here, I'd, I'd love it if you could share a success story. You don't have to mention names, of course, uh, unless it, you're just able to do that. But uh, just a situation where your technology has really brought about uh, the kind of change that some of these companies really are desiring internally. I, I can give a couple of real quick ones. One of the one of the basic features of our platform is that when you start processing data through our platform, we take a before we even do any OCR AI or any of that fancy stuff, we take a digital fingerprint of the document. And in this way, if we ever see the same document again, we immediately catch it as a duplicate. And so we thought of this document deduping as simply a, a, a hygiene requirement to keep us from having duplicate data in our system. And what we found is that it's a, that it's a major value add to companies because we had one company that, that gave us two invoices for $74 million each. It turns out it was the same, the same one. And so you don't want to pay that bill twice. And um, did they? No, no comment. But, okay. but, I, but the point is that when you're building technology, sometimes something that you think is a minor feature, your customers realize that it's, that it's a major value add. So that was pretty exciting to see the power of just deduping important data. Mm. With a customer here that's, that's actually in Atlanta, they had a goal of being able to increase productivity without having to reduce their workforce. And that's, that is a way to increase productivity, right? A lot of times we think about increasing productivity as reducing people and having the same output. Mm. But you can increase output with the same number of people as well. We were able to do that with a vendor management team by basically eliminating all the time they were spending looking for data and having the wrong data. And so what they were able to do is put their team on a course to reduce, they were able to reduce open recs for new positions Mm -hmm. and they were able to restructure the team more slowly with just attrition. But it's always exciting when you're working with business people and you understand their goals and can contribute to helping them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. Great words from Eric Pritchett. He's the chief operating officer at Terzo. Eric, this has been terrific. I can't imagine there aren't some folks that hearing what you've had to say wouldn't want to know more and wouldn't, would not want to be in touch given some of the opportunities you offer them. So let's give them a place to go. Where can they find you? Yeah, check out our website at Terzo AI. If you just Google Terzo AI, you'll find us. You can hit me on LinkedIn, Eric Pritchett on LinkedIn. If you have any doubt about finding the wrong Eric Pritchett, it's Eric Pritchett with affiliated with Terzo. And yeah, just shoot a DM or check out the website and get in touch with us. And we'd love to talk to you about your document problems. Eric Pritchett with Terzo. And folks, just a quick reminder that Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat is brought to you by Frazier and Dieter is one of the fastest growing accounting and advisory firms in the U.S. and beyond because they serve the emerging needs of their clients as they evolve. They serve clients from the global Fortune 1000 to growing private businesses by accounting for today while advising for the future. Frazier and Dieter invest in relationships to make a difference. For more information, go to Frazier 
dealer.com. Wow, Roger, this has been quite enlightening. Great story. Yeah, here. I told you Eric would be a great guest. Yeah. Uh, John, don't you feel smarter having listened to him? <laughs> I really do. I really do. But I'm glad I was asking the questions. He had all the answers, right? Yeah. Yeah. What a great guest. Thank you for bringing him in. And thank you for bringing Dono. Dono, thank, thank you for, for being here. Me. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, keep up the good work over there. Roger, you, you did it again. We will wait and uh, we'll see you uh, again in November. Okay, John? I look forward to that. Thank you. For Roger Lesby, I'm John Ray. Join us next time on Frazier and Dieter's Business Beat. Mm-hmm.